Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word. This week, we continue our in-depth study into the book of Revelation by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. And as for the mystery of the seven stars, he said there are seven stars along with seven lampstands. Remember that? There were seven lampstands and there's seven stars. And he said, I want to tell you the mystery about the seven stars and the seven lampstands. He goes on and says, that you saw in my right hand, this is Jesus talking, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So whenever he saw in the vision, he saw Jesus, he saw Jesus walking among the lampstands, that's the churches. Which helps us to understand this, that if you want to be in fellowship with Jesus, you want to be around Jesus, you need to be in church, amen? (laughs) Because where Jesus is, is in church. Where Jesus is hanging around and where he's walking around is in church. And his church is the one institution and the one organization or organism whereby he is going to evangelize, reach the world, and fulfill his purpose. And therefore, you have to be connected to his church the seven churches are all of the churches. Then he says, but there's also the mystery of the seven stars. And he said the seven stars are the angels of the churches. Now, first of all, that word mystery, mystery means that which was revealed, that which was unknown, but has now been revealed. He says, there was something that was unknown that I'm making known right now, and I want you to understand that, and I'm revealing to you, and that is that I walk among the seven churches, I walk among the lampstands, which are the churches, and that the messenger of the church are the angels of the churches I hold in my right hand. I hold them in my right hand. You got that? So we want to talk about this mystery of the seven lampstands. We'll talk about that next week. I want to talk to you today about the mystery of these seven stars. He said that these seven stars that he holds in his right hand, that these are angels, are angels. Now, here's the question. Who are these angels? Who are these angels that he holds in his right hand? They are the angels, are the messengers to the church. The Greek word for, mess, for angel is the word angelos, which means messenger. That's all it means. It means messenger. Now, in some cases in Scripture, the angelos, are the angels, are heavenly beings. For instance, I'll give you two examples. In Judges, whenever... The angels come and visit Manoah to tell him about uh, Samson's birth. That's an angel from heaven that comes and tells them that you're about to have a Nazarite. He's going to judge, and his name is going to be Samson. Another time that an angel appears is in Luke chapter 1. And that's when Zacharias goes in, and he's offering the incense, and he's performing his duties in the temple. When an angel shows up in there with him and tells him that he is go- his wife, who's been barren, is going to have a son, and his name is going to be John. And he introduces that John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, is going to be born. That was a heavenly angel. So sometimes these angels are heavenly beings. Make this note, most of the time, they are not heavenly beings. Most of the time, they are human beings, all right? They're people. These angels are people. Let me give you some examples of that. 
In Haggai chapter 1, verse 13, the prophet, it says, it introduces him as the fact that he is Haggai, the messenger. In the Greek text, when it's tra- the Old Testament is translated in Greek, it is the word angelos. He is the messenger of God. Now, in the Hebrew, the word is malaka, M-A-L-A-K-A. And the Hebrew word means exactly like angelos. In Greek, it is the messenger of God. The messenger of God. Therefore, you find in Malachi chapter 1, verse 1, Malachi, do you know who he is? Take the word Hebrew word Malachi, and it's a derivative of Malachi. And if you'll read in the note in your Bible, it'll say that Malachi is called the messenger of God. He is the messenger of God. In the Greek text, when they translate the Old Testament Greek, it is the word angelos. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, when it foretells one who's coming to be a messenger and to prepare the way of the Lord, it is the word in Greek, angelos, or again, the word malachi, speaking about John the Baptist. What I'm simply saying to you is that many, many times, whenever it's the angel or the messenger of God, most times, it's speaking about a human being, a human being. Now, think about that. In every era, in every age of history, God has always had somebody who is going to be his messenger, a human being that is ordained to be his messenger. Let's talk about that a minute. In Genesis, who were the messengers? They were the patriarchs, Abraham, Jacob, all of those were the patriarchs, and God spoke to them about what he was doing. Isn't that true? And then after Genesis, you come up, and who becomes his mouthpiece? Who's his messenger? Moses and Aaron, right? Moses and Aaron, all through the wanderings in the wilderness and the rest of the five books of the, of the Torah or the Pentateuch. Then who comes on the scene after Moses is not there? It's Joshua. He becomes the mouthpiece for the people. What happens after that? Then it's the time of the judges. God speaks his word through the judges. Then what happens next? Then it comes to the time of the kings, where you have King Saul or King David, and all of those kings are there, that God speaks through those kings, along with prophets and priests who come along to keep those kings straight and to speak forth the word. What I'm simply telling you is that everywhere in human history, God has always had a mouthpiece whereby God will deliver that word he wants, that will he wants, that vision he wants to somebody so that people can know it. Amen? Now, we are in the church era. That's what Jesus is talking about. The mystery of the lampstands, the mystery of the church and the church era. In the church era, there are different people that can speak forth a word for God. It it talks about that in in the fact of spiritual gifts. There's the prophet who will speak forth a word from God. Amen? There's that prophet. There's the apostle. There's the evangelist. There's the missionary. There's all these people who are speaking forth the word for God. But hold on a second. When it comes to the church, when it comes to the church, There is a position and there is a place and a calling whereby this person is the messenger or the angelos for that church. And who is it? It's the pastor. You get that in your heart and your mind, all right? 
God says that he's going to speak to a church through that pastor, whoever that pastor might be. He's going to speak to the church. He's going to reveal his will to the church. He's going to have that messenger who is going to come and speak to that. It is the pastor is going to be the one who is held responsible to deliver the message of God to the people. Did you hear that? God holds the pastor responsible to deliver the message to the people. Now, this is very important. I hope it's up on the screen. Listen to what it says. The pastor is not the author of the message. The pastor is not the author of the message. He is the deliverer of the message. God has entrusted the pastor with a communication from heaven. You got to get that in your heart and your mind, all right? That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, this is to the messenger or to the angel of the church. This is the message to the church. So, how is it that we have pastors? Well, the angel of the pastor is a God-appointed servant. I want to tell you, if there's any pastor who has ever said, I chose to do this job, I picked this job, I'm going to tell you, they're crazy. Nobody picks that job. You get that job because God calls you to that job. God speaks to your heart, this is what I've given you to do. This is the responsibility that I've given you to do. It's not one you just sign up for. You didn't go on a vocational list and say, well, let's see, out of these things, I think I can be a pastor. You don't do that. God is the one who calls the pastor, right? He's a God-appointed servant. He's sent by the Holy Spirit. Wherever God wants that pastor to be, he should be sensitive to go wherever God wants him to go. And he's called by God to be his spokesman to the people. To be his spokesman to the people. Now, let's talk about some interesting points in this text. It says, notice in chapters 2 and 3, there are seven churches that God speaks to. But I want you to notice something. Look at the very first verse of chapter 2. Notice what it says. And to the angel of the church of Ephesus write. Now, who's the one speaking? Who's speaking? Jesus is speaking. And he says, now, I want you to write this, and it's to be written to the angel of the church of Ephesus. Go down in verse 8. It says, and I want you to write to the angel of the church in Smyrna. In verse 18, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira. Something that's interesting to notice is this, that when God speaks to any of these churches, he speaks to the angel who is to deliver the word. He he didn't write that to the churches. He wrote it to who? He wrote it to the pastor. He said, give this word to the pastor. Give this word to this message to the messenger. He is the one who has to speak forth that word. Just the pastor, all right? Now, I want you to see this in a second interesting point. Notice that there's only one pastor for each church. It doesn't say to the angels of the church, does it? It says to the angel of the church. So there's only one pastor. God calls one person to be responsible and have the responsibility, and he is held accountable by God. Now, let me tell you what's important about that. Usually, whenever there is multiple responsibility and multiple accountability, nothing gets done. Did you know that? You ever been in a group 
where everybody says, let's get this done. And you come back together about a month later and ain't nobody done anything. Because you know why? Because everybody thought the other person's going to do it. Well, God didn't give two pastors or three pastors to the church because we'd all be pointing fingers at the other and they're the ones supposed to be doing it. God's not letting us pass the buck on that. You understand? God says, you're responsible. You're the one who's responsible, and I'm looking to you, and whether or not it gets told, whether or not it gets said, whether or not whatever happens, you are ultimately the one who is responsible. Every person needs to understand that. Every person needs to understand. Notice this other thing. Notice that in these passages, and we're going to look at them in detail over the next few weeks, sometimes the message to the church may be positive. It's a commendation. It's a word of encouragement. And then other times, it's difficult. It's a word of correction or warning. I mean, when you read about Ephesus, he's going to tell them you've left your first love. The pastor's got to go tell them that. When he's got to preach to lay out a seat, he's got to tell them that you are carnal and lukewarm and God wants to spew you out of his mouth. The pastor's got to tell them that. Now, when you get over to Smyrna, and, and, and in that particular church, there was not one bad word. It was totally a word of commendation. It was a word of encouragement. I'm going to tell you, most of us pastors, we like preaching those fun sermons. Amen? We like preaching those encouraging words. We like to pat everybody on the back and say, boy, you're doing a great job. This is wonderful. This is great. But hold on a second. We have the same responsibility to deliver the hard message as we do the easy message. And what God says is, it's not for you to choose the message. I'm the one who gives the message. Your responsibility is to deliver it. Now, I'm telling you, any pastor who's, who has a sensitivity spirit, there have been some arguing going on between us and God at times. Because they say, Lord, I don't want to do that. Lord, I'd, I'd rather not say that. Lord, I'd rather, I won't be, <laughs> I really like people to like me, Lord. And I'm going to go say that. I'm going to go tell that. You do what I tell you to do. That's his word. You do what I tell you to do. A pastor who fails to preach or teach God's message will be held accountable by God. I want you to know that. Ultimately, the pastor is accountable to God. He, the pastor, will stand before God one day and will answer for what he did. One day, I will stand before God and give an account of what I did as pastor of Parker Memorial. One day I'll give an account for when I pastored other churches. There's nobody going to stand with me. There's nobody held responsible for that. The only person who's held responsible for that is me. Now, on the other side, I'm also not responsible for you. Because I can tell you what God tells me to tell you. And if you don't do it, and you don't heed it, that's on you. All God tells me to do is deliver it. Amen. He tells me to be faithful to deliver that word. And then it's going to be up to us to be responsible for that word. I want you to notice one other thing, though, interesting about this letter. I want you to see at the end of every letter, verse 7, for instance, end of Ephesus, of the church at Ephesus. Here's what he writes. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit, that's a capital S, you see that? What the Spirit says to the churches now that's jesus saying who's saying this to the churches who's saying it to them let them hear what the who the spirit that's the holy spirit of god does what says to the churches as far as god's concerned 
All a pastor is is a mouthpiece. That's all a pastor is, is a mouthpiece. And God can raise up mouthpieces everywhere. When I, when I first was called to preach, I, I, had, I was really blessed. I had a chance to preach all over the South. I was in an evangelism team. We preached all over the South. When I wasn't but 20 years old, I preached at the State Evangelism Conference in Alabama. I preached over 2,000 people at that, at that thing. And boy, I'm going to tell you, I really thought I was good. I'm going to tell you, I thought I, I thought I was good. I, when I went out to seminary, I was going out to seminary. I went to Southwestern Seminary, and I thought, man, I'll tell you what. When I get out there, they're going to find I'm out there, and I'll just stay busy preaching all the time. When I went out to seminary, I preached about two times in two and a half years, and I loaded and unloaded trucks. That's how I took care of my family. And you know why? Because God had something he wanted to do in me. And he took me, and he broke me down. He broke me down, and this is what he taught me. He said, son... I can, rise, I can raise up dead bones to do what you do. I can raise up dry bones to do what you do. I don't have to use you. I choose to use you. And always remember that. You are just a mouthpiece. But you are to be a faithful mouthpiece. I'm here to tell you, friends, I died. I died to myself at that point in time. I, I died to what I wanted to be or who I was going to be. And I realize that any time and every time I have a chance to stand and preach, whether it's a pastor or wherever I preach, that it's just God give me the opportunity to be a part of what he's doing. Understand? And I'm going to be faithful. I pray unto death to tell you what God says. I'm going to reveal what God says to our heart and to our mind. Now, let me tell you, there's a major disconnect in the modern church. That's something you need to write down. There's a major disconnect in the modern church. And here's the, here's the major disconnect. Most members of churches are people in general do not understand that the pastor are agents whereby God communicates his will or vision. Think about that a minute. They don't really think that. Most, most church members do not think that. That this is the agent whereby God is speaking the word to that church. Now, what do they think? Well, the preacher preaches, and he, he, he explains God's word to us, and he ministers to other people, and, and he just, that's what his job is. That, that's what his job, that's what he does. But there's little thought given that the pastor is God's servant who speaks his word and reveals God's will to the church. Now, if that were true, everybody would be here all the time. Amen? Think about that. If you really thought that God was delivering a message today, would you show up? If you really thought there was a word from God that he's speaking to us today, would you show up? Absolutely. Well, bless your hearts, you showed up today. We'd be here every day. We'd be, but, but there is no sense of that. We, we've lost We've lost that sense. We've lost that sense. Now, some people, I, I've talked to certain people. Some people identify the super preachers. You know, there are super preachers out there. Have y'all met any of them? There, there are some super preachers, and these people have special anointing, but, but everyday preachers, they're just one of us. Everyday pastor just one of us. There's that super guy who has this anointing and special. I mean, whatever they say, we believe that's the word from God. Well, I'm here to tell you, from Almighty God, that everyday pastor, we are just one of you, but we've been called by God. We have a responsibility and accountability 
in relationship to that. Now, remember, this system is not set up by men. This is what God set up. God established this, and it will be that way until the church age is over. Because the, the two chapters, chapters 2 and 3, is all about the church age from beginning to end. I'll share with you how it, it covers every age of the church from where it started in the apostolic day until where we are today right before the tribulation is happening. And in all of that, the constant thing is that God still uses his same method to communicate his word. He still uses that same method. It's, it's God's method. Now, Here's a question. Does this mean that the pastor is more holy or better than anyone else? Write this down. No. <laughs> no, it does not mean that at all. But it is just God's way. It's just God's way. And, and if you don't agree with God's way, you'll have to take it up with him. That's just God's way. Every pastor is as frail as anybody. We have sin in our hearts, just like anybody. But it's God's way. That's the way he established it. That's the way he set it up. Now, here's a reality that you need to understand. Throughout biblical history, there have been constant challenges to God's plan about leadership. Did y'all know that? Throughout history, there's always been challenges about, is that really a way? Is that really a way that you're supposed to do it? Am I, I supposed to do it? Let me give you some examples regarding it, okay? I gave you each one of those errors, the patriarchal error, and then I brought you down to Moses. In the time of Moses, he was the mouthpiece for God, wasn't he? He sure was. Now, I don't know about you, but, but if, if Moses were my pastor, I'd think I had a pretty good pastor, amen? I might even brag about that. You know who my pastor is? I got Moses. <laughs> I mean, Moses is my pastor. And most of us think, well, I tell you, if Moses is my pastor, I have no problem leading. Well, that's not true. They had problems leading uh, for him to lead anyway. Write it down, Numbers 12. Here's Aaron and Miriam. Aaron and Miriam, these are his brother and sister. Do you know what they said of Moses? This is what they said of Moses. They said, listen, has the Lord spoke only through Moses? Has not he spoken through us as well? That's his brother and sister saying, hey, we don't, we don't have to just hear you, Moses. I mean, God's not going to speak just through you, Moses. He spoke through us, just like he spoke through you. Well, Moses didn't say a word. He just sat there, and God intervened. You know what happened? Miriam ended up with leprosy. You remember that? God, God showed up. She ended up with leprosy for seven days. Moses prayed for her, and she got well. Now, don't come up. I'm not... I'm not thinking, well, you no, I'm not talking about it. I'm just simply saying in every, every situation, people have been challenged. Moses got challenged. Look at number 16. The people of Korah, it's called Korah's Rebellion. Do you know what they came up and told Moses? Now, here's Moses, who's that great pastor. We'd love for him to be our pastor. They came up and says, Moses, you think you're the only one holy. We are all holy, just as holy as you are. Why are you trying to lead us? You remember that story? Remember what happened to that story? What happened? They all got swallowed up. You remember that? The earth just opened up, swallowed up. Matter of fact, Moses prayed and said, God, if these men die of natural causes, then you haven't had your hand in it. But if they die of unnatural causes, and you just open up the earth, swallow them up, cover it back up, then you did it. It happened exactly that way. Now, am I, do I think God's going to open up the gym floor and all of us going to swallow? No, I'm not saying that. What I simply want you to know this is that there's always been a challenge to whatever God sets up for leadership. 
even when Moses was there, right? What about when King Saul was Saul and he was supposed to speak the word? The, the people rejected him and first of all, didn't receive him. What about when David was king? His son overthrew him and said, you're not going to be king over us anymore. In other words, in every era. What about in the prophet era? Jeremiah. Jeremiah, who's this godly prophet, the weeping prophet, this man of God. You know what it says about Jeremiah? He speaks forth the word of God. You know where he ends up? Being thrown into a cistern that's full of mud. You know how long he's going to stay there? He thought he's going to die right there. Because what? They didn't receive his word. They didn't receive his leadership in regard to the thing. So in every era, whatever God establishes and whatever means that he sets forth in order to uh, not be accepted, that leadership style, it's going to be true everywhere. So it should not surprise us that we have the same things today. We have the same thing today. That if God's called the pastor to cast the vision, to be able to give forth the word of God, we're going to have people who are going to resist that. We need to understand that, all right? Now, here's some things that are very practical things for us to see. It's this question. Does God really speak to pastors? That's important, right? Does God really speak to pastors? We better hope so. Why? Because of what it says in Amos 3.17. Listen to what it says. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. You know what it said? If God doesn't speak a word to his prophets, he's doing nothing. So we better hope he's speaking a word to somebody, amen? Because if he's speaking that word, he's going to what? He's going to do something. He's going to be moving. And our God's always active, always working, always moving. What about this question? How does a pastor get a word from God? Write this text down, 1 Kings 22, verses 24 through 25. Let me tell you about that story a minute. Two kings came together, Ahab and Jehoshaphat, and they were going to go do war. And whenever they were doing war, Jehoshaphat, who was a man of God, said, hey, before we go do war, we need to hear from a prophet of God. Well, they brought the prophets up who were Ahab's prophets, and they were supposed to be prophets of God. And they said, what should we do? And they said, go, go. Zedekiah was the, was the head prophet. said, go and win. You're going to win the battle. Jehoshaphat said, I'd like to hear another word. Is there somebody else who speaks the word from God? He said, Yes. A prophet named Micaiah. He said, well, go get Micaiah and bring him here. Well, they go get Micaiah, and on the way, uh, the messenger says to Micaiah, says, says, listen, everybody's given a good word about this war, so you give a good word too. He said, okay. So when he walks in, they said, what should we do? He said, go up to battle, go up to battle. And the king said, is that the real word? Is that the real word that God gave you? He said, I told you to give me the real word. And he says, well, what I saw in my vision, I saw all of Israel like sheep scattered on, a she- on the side of a hill without a shepherd. And what he was saying is, if you go to war, you're going to die. You're going to die. And Ahab said, I knew you'd give me a bad word. I knew that you'd give me that bad word. And Zedekiah, the head of the prophet, goes up to Micaiah. It's written right there. And he slaps Micaiah in the face. And he says to him, this word. He says, how is it, how is it that the spirit of the Lord passed from me to speak to you? That's a good question. You know what Micaiah said? Here's what he said in verse 24. And Micaiah said, behold, you shall see on that day when you enter an inner room to hide yourself. You know how you get a word from God? You go to an inner room. You know how you get a word from God? You go hide yourself. Do you know how you hear and you know what the Spirit of God says? Because you're alone with God. 
And Micaiah says, if you want to know how the Spirit of God passes over you to come to me, it's because I spend my time alone with God. For God to speak to my heart and my life. That's how a pastor receives a word from God. That's what we need to understand and we need to know. It doesn't happen except that that person would meet with God. Now, here's the truth that you really need to know. A church should not call a pastor because he is a good preacher or communicator. You know, we all have trial sermons, amen, (laughs) or come in view of a call. And what we're trying to do is, do I like the way he communicates? Do I like the way he preaches? That's not the reason to call a pastor, okay? A person should, or a church should not call a pastor because he has a good education or a lot of experience. Oh, man, he has his doctor's degree, or he's pastored four churches, and he's ministry for 20 years, and all, da, 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 da. all those nice little things. Sound wonderful. They should not call a pastor because he's attractive or he has a supportive family. Boy, he looks good up there, and his family's real sweet, and we really like them. That's why we should call him his pastor. They shouldn't call the pastor because they checked his references, and everybody thinks he's Superman. That's not why you call a pastor. So if that's not why you call a pastor, what should be the reason? Well, it should be the answer to two questions. This is the questions. Do we believe this man is a man of God who tells us what God says? That's the first question. It's the most important question. Do we believe that this man is a man of God who tells us what God says? And the second one is, can I trust him to have a walk with God? That enables him to hear God speak to him in the inner room when he hides himself. That's what you ask. Then, if you cannot answer yes to those questions, then do not call that person to be your pastor. You wait until you find that right person to lead you. That person that you can trust, that person who's going to give A word from God. That's what you have to do. That's what we all need to do. Amen? That's our responsibility. (laughs) You might say, well, what do I do if I'm in a church where that's not true? Well, you need to pray for the pastor. And pray for the pastor in such a way that God gets him right or gets him gone. Amen? That's what you pray. God... You get him right or get him gone. Or the second thing is, go find you a place where you trust the pastor. Go find you a place where that pastor you believe gives you a word. I wouldn't waste two minutes listening to somebody that I didn't think gave a word from God. Now, say, Brother Mac, what's the importance of that? Because of this, churches who realize that this is God's system, Churches that realize that this is the way God works and and therefore has a relationship with their pastor in that way, they experience blessings of God. They experience the will of God being fulfilled. But churches that struggle with that concept and, and do not see that connection and this plan that God has, they're going to always struggle. They're going to struggle. They're not going to be able to break through. They're not going to be able to do all the things that God wants them to do. Why? Because it's God's plan. (laughs) It's not the pastor's plan. It's not your plan. It's what God said. 
And, and that's the way we have to function. That's the way we have to live. And, and God has a word, amen? He has a word. He always has a word for us. But we have to see that connection. We have to understand the importance of that. So that we are hearing the word of God, walking in the will of God, and doing the vision of God. That's what we have to do. (laughs) I'm telling you, I would rather be anywhere in the world than here today preaching this message. Hard message. Challenging message. But it's truth. It's just the truth. And we as a fellowship, we got to come together to be able to live by that truth and function by that truth. Amen? And so... I don't really have an invitation to offer to you other than the fact if you don't know Jesus, you need to give your heart to Jesus today, amen? Because <laughs> without Jesus, you don't have any hope. He's your only hope. And then for us as a fellowship, we just need to pray for each other, pray for one another. That we'll, we'll find out God's will, know God's will, hear God's will, be faithful to God's will, and that we will be a church that thrives and that we're blessed by God, amen? Now, please don't come up to me afterwards and say, Boy, Brother Mac, I, I, I'm not, I promise you, I'm, I'm fine about everything in my life. I'm fine about everything. So don't come up here like I'm feeling sorry for me. I'm not, okay? What I'm telling you is that I have a passion and a care for our fellowship that we will do what God wants us to do. That's the burden of my heart. And we never miss out on that. We never miss out on that. And, and I hope you would feel the same burden about that. hope you'd feel the same passion in your heart. We want to be that kind of church. Does that mean uh, it's dictatorial? And uh, No, it doesn't mean anything about that at all. It means the fact that you're loving, you're trusting, and you know that that pastor who's there for you and with you is a person you can trust to tell you God's will. That's everything. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.